How many of you are going to stay up until midnight then? Yeah? Six of you. Praise God. The world would be a better place. How many of you are going to go to bed? Forget about it all. Don't care less. Dear me. I, uh, I was uh, interested, I was doing some reading uh, a few months ago, uh, ready for this Christmas and New Year period. And um, Mark Zuckerberg, he of Facebook uh, fame, if you're on Facebook, you'll know this guy because he invented it. Um, he was asked, uh, or he asked rather, Facebook users a number of years ago what they thought he should do uh, by ways of a, a New Year resolution. I don't know, are you you're getting ready to make your New Year's resolutions? I won't uh, start asking you what some of them are. We were reminded by Pastor Tim this morning that some of them will last a week, some of them will last a month, some of them may last a little bit longer. But anyway, um, Zuckerberg asked Facebook users what they thought he should do by way of a New Year resolution. And over the years, he's continued to do this <coughs> People have supplied all kinds of ideas. Indeed, you may well be a Facebook user and may have entered into this. You may have suggested some of these things. You might know, for instance, that uh, in the past he's resolved, for instance, to only eat meat that he killed himself. So that's an interesting one, isn't it? If you live in Riska, you're going to get a bit of roadkill on the way down to Rogi. That'd be about it, I think. Um, anyway, he resolved to do that. Another time, he resolved to learn Mandarin. I wonder how he got on with that. That would be an interesting one if uh, you learned a little bit of Mandarin and went up to him. Another year, <coughs> he resolved to read a book every fortnight. And uh, this is what he said, uh, with an emphasis on learning about different cultures, beliefs, histories, and technologies. And it, what struck me reading about Zuckerberg and what he was trying to do, he, he's, he's not unlike a lot of us, if we're honest. He plans to make himself a better person in the new year. Whether or not you're really into this idea of New Year's resolutions, in all probability, most of us approach this time of year thinking, okay, it's a bit of a blank page. We can have a bit of a reboot here. We can have a bit of a restart, a rethink. And we can maybe try and be a bit different. So many of us will have an idea in our minds that uh, we're going to diet. Who's with me on that one? God bless you. We shall start together. Others of us will say that uh, we're going to try and read the Bible a bit more. Other, others of us will want to take out a gym membership. God bless you. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, there'll be all sorts of things. Do more housework. Whatever it is, we are trying to do things that improve us in some way. And making New Year's resolutions in and of themselves isn't necessarily a bad thing. I've come across a lot of Christians over the years who said to me, Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, we shouldn't be doing stuff like that. Well, I, I, I think, actually, you're wrong. I, I think it's quite biblical, as I'll try and show you in a moment. It isn't necessarily a bad thing. So tonight, I want to dip with you into a little passage that Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians. So if you've got a Bible, if you've got a Bible app on your phone or whatever, there's a Bible on the end of each pew. Why don't you get it? 
just turn towards the back, towards the end of the New Testament, and get into the book of 2 Thessalonians with me this evening. And uh, Paul, we're going to hear a passage that Gal's going to read for us in a moment. But Paul says this in verse 11 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, look, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. That phrase there, they bring to fruition your every desire, is uh, sometimes translated in some versions, maybe you've got a different version in front of you, as resolve. The Greek word, as you all know, I'm sure, is eudokia. And that's a very interesting word because it carries with it this idea of making a resolution. You resolve to do something. It is something that has a very real purpose, a desire behind it. It's not a wishy-washy kind of thing. It's not a bumbling your way through life kind of thing. It's very much an arrowhead that you are determined to go after something. So I don't know about you, but here's the truth, okay? I, I am standing here at the end of 2017. I am resolved, by God's good grace, to go on a diet, okay? So I have in my mind what I'm going to look like at the end of this diet, and I know exactly what it looks like because I've been there before. And I have clothes in my wardrobe that tell me what it looks like to be like that. And that is my target. I have an aim. There is this eudokia. I am resolved to do that. Now, I'm a human being and I may well fail. And you know what it is to fail at certain things you resolve to do as well. We're all in the same boat. We all muck up. You've resolved to do all sorts of things over the years, just like I have. Not stupid things like diets, but other things. And we fail. And we tend to think, therefore, that that just, well, that, that's it. We're written off. There's no point in making resolutions. We've never succeeded in the past. Why should we do it again? Well, I want you to see here in this passage... Paul wants to encourage us, actually, you go for it. So maybe you want 2018 to have certain things for you. Maybe there are things. You know, Pastor Tim, I thought it was a wonderful message this morning, really challenged me, really encouraged me too. And if you didn't hear it, I encourage you, go online this week, get hold of that message, download it, it's available as a podcast. It's a wonderful message, asking us, challenging us, to dream big, to go for things with God in this new year that lies ahead. To be focused, to have resolve, to have eudokia at the very heart of what we're about. So let's focus our thoughts on 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And Gareth's going to come and he's going to read that passage for us. Thank you, Gareth. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you from God the Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled <coughs> among all those who have believed. This includes you. Because you believed our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may, be, may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompt, prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, Carl. It's a great passage. And uh, if you've got your Bible open, or your Bible app still open, uh, keep, keep it there. Because I think there's so much here for us. But I really want to focus in on verses 11 and 12. Where you may recall Paul says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you. That our God may make you worthy of his calling. And that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness, Eudokia. Your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What we see here, I think, is that it is okay for Christians to make godly resolutions and indeed to trust in God's power to fulfill them. Very often I think that's the issue, isn't it? We make resolutions and go after things in our own strength. But here Paul puts the emphasis very much on, look, you've got to think about what you're making a resolution to do. And you need to ask for God's power to help you do it. We do that so that, A, well, we uh, become worthy of God's calling. That's very important for Paul in this little passage. And ultimately, B, God himself is glorified in us. That's very, very important. Because, you know, the whole idea behind a diet, for instance, is not just so that you can all look at me and go, wow. Because you do that already. You know? The idea behind a diet, let's be absolutely honest, is to get fit and healthy and to be around on this planet Earth a bit longer. And to be around for my daughter's wedding, hey, and to be around for grandchildren, and all of that, those things. And supremely, for me, I have to be honest with you, to preach the gospel, and to teach God's word, to be a pastor, an evangelist. These are things God has called me to, and I recognize that I need to be resolute in that. 
But I am a living testimony that you can't do that in your own strength. I need God's help. And there have been periods in my life when I've really known God's power and help. And there have been times when, quite frankly, I have failed because I haven't relied enough on him and turned too much to the biscuit barrel. Now, you know that. It's true for anything. It's true for the gym. It's true for Bible reading. It's true for personal prayer and Bible study. It's true in all kinds of things. We need to know God's work in us. We need to know God's power because by ourselves, we don't succeed. Time and again, we fail. So to make us worthy of God's calling, God needs to be at work in us. And when God's at work in us, God willing, Jesus himself is glorified. Let's just take those and uh, play with them for a moment. Uh, For Paul, it's clearly the duty of every Christian, I think, to seek God's power to fulfill resolutions. Because in doing that, we become worthy of God's call. Look again at what verse 11 says. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. I hope you can see what's going on there. There is a vital relationship between God's making us worthy of his calling there in the first part of the verse Right, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. There's a relationship, a vital relationship between that and God fulfilling our good resolutions. There in the second half of the verse, that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every, uh, your every deed prompted by faith. It's very important that when God empowers us to stick to and to fulfill our resolutions, it's showing him at his best. It's not showing you at your best. It's not showing the support group you're in. You can go to Weight Watchers, God bless you. I won't go there, but you can. You can can go to that and everything. Those things help in many ways. But for the Christian, it's about honoring God. It's about saying that God is at work in this situation. It's showing him at work. It's making us worthy of his call, but wonderfully and supremely, it's bringing glory to him. Do you see that? Making us worthy, yet glorifying him. Let's get that into our heads. Making us worthy, but glorifying him. Friends, his call on our lives is a call to glory. In 2018, whatever resolution you make, the clear, precise, sure-as-day-as-day goal is that God gets the glory. And if I stand here at the end of next year, having lost the one and a half stone that I need to lose, it won't be to my glory, it'll be to God's glory. And if you've stuck to your Bible reading plan, well, it'll be to God's glory, won't it? And if you have witnessed more, it'll be to God's glory. Because this is all about God getting the glory. However much you may feel that it massages your ego, or taps you on the back, or makes you feel good, 
ultimately what we are about as Christians is bringing honour and glory to God. Paul understood that. He doesn't just write about these things here. He writes about it in Romans 8. He says, look, those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. That's what it's about. This is a call to glory. And because of that, here's the brilliant thing, God won't abandon that. He won't give up on you in that regard. You and I do fail him in our resolutions, don't we? Yes, we do. Of course we do, we're human beings. But he who called you is faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5.25, he will do it. Paul reminds the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1, keep you, keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You may well fail to keep your resolutions in 2018. You may well fail. You may well fall short. You may struggle. But listen to me. God's still working in you. And when God's working, things compute in a very, very different way. The world says that when you can't do something, well, you fail. When you come up short, you're not worthy to be in the team or whatever. But when God's working, when God's working, that's what makes you worthy. Despite your inadequacy, despite your shortcomings, because we understand that worthiness from a Christian perspective doesn't mean that you're deserving or impressive. It means rather it's fitting, it's proper, it's appropriate. We've just uh, finished some work on uh, a little house that we've bought in uh, Swansea. And uh, we've done some, don't worry, I'm not moving there, it's all right. But uh, we've done some work on it and stuff and there's a bit more to do. And uh, I was thinking about this when I was preparing this message. And, you know, you get the decorators in and stuff, and there's always so much to do. I know Mal's been doing a load of this for, for Claire and everything. You know, many of us do this sort of thing in our own homes. The spare bedroom in your house needs decorating. You know, many of you have just gone through Christmas. You've had relatives come to stay. You should see the cleaning project that used to go on before my mother used to come from Swansea. My word. Why? Well, yes, she was fastidious. She was very house proud. But you want to honour people who come into your house, don't you? The quote of Christmas in our house was the following. Laura, come and see our oven. Yes, I'm dobbing you in, Mrs. Owen. Mrs. Owen decided to get an oven cleaner in. Now, every year, Mrs. Owen cleans the oven with oven pride. Have you seen that stuff? Yes, and you get the bags and everything, and you stick stuff in it, and it stinks out the place. This year, she rang a man who came in a van, and he arrived at the house, and he cleaned this stuff. What? We've got a new oven in the manse. It's absolutely amazing. No chemicals were used in this at all, Mr. Owen. It's absolutely fantastic. I swear to you, that's what the guy was like. Brilliant. Gareth knows. Victoria uses one as well. I'm giving it all away tonight. So this was absolutely amazing. 
Why did I get on to that? I don't know. Oh, yes, redecorating. Why do people do that? He said to Sarah, most people call me a week before Christmas because the mother-in-law is coming. That's what they want. The mother-in-law is coming, so they think the oven has to be pristine. When a special guest comes to stay in your house, you want things to be just so. So you may well redecorate. You may paint the walls, buy a new bedspread, polish the woodwork. And then you can imagine the scene. You stand back and see if the room is worthy of your guest's presence. And suddenly the old lampshade sticks out like a sore thumb. The cobwebs on it. It's been bashed and bruised and battered over the years. It's dirty and bent. It doesn't match the paint. It looks out of place. In a sense, it is unworthy of the guest room now that you've redecorated it. So what do you do? Well, you resolve to get rid of it. Get down to Dunelm and buy another one. Why? So that the room now becomes worthy of its purpose. The person, the guest, can come and reside. The guest is coming. Well, that's what it's like, you see, for Paul. Take that analogy in your mind and come with me back to this project. God wants to clean up our lives. We've just celebrated Christmas when God began the redecorating project. Do you see how it works? God has come into Bethlehem stable and he's carried on the redecorating project to a hillside at Calvary and that the things that are just plain and fitting and unworthy of the new guest in our lives and our new calling can be gotten rid of and we can be worthy of our calling to be God's children. That's what we've just celebrated here. This is the biggest makeover you can ever have. Summed up right here in Communion. This is D-I-O-I-Y-S-O-S on steroids. That's what communion is. It is that wonderful reminder that Jesus came, born in Bethlehem, to save us, to scrub you clean, to wash away your sin, to reconcile you to God, to take on himself in his body on the cross our sin and to wash it away by his blood shed for us. Wow. Isn't that awesome? What a makeover. What a redecorating project. And see the things that were unfitting. The things in your life. The unfitting of having God as a guest in your life. The things that made you unworthy and me unworthy of having him as our guest in our lives. As we were called to be God's children. The great thing, Paul says, the great thing is, God's at work in you to take that stuff away. At work in many, many ways by his power. Why is God doing all of this? To make us worthy. Because you and I need help to be worthy because we muck up all the time. But the wonderful other side of all of this is, it's not just to make us worthy, but also in verse 12 he says, so that Jesus is glorified. I love that. I love the fact that God can be doing something in my life and he's getting glorified. That's an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? 
When we work to make a, a room fitting and proper for a guest, it shows the regard that you have for your guest. You glorify her, you glorify him by wanting to have a room worthy of them coming to reside in your home. The Bible's full of pictures like that. Do you remember what Peter says? 1 Peter chapter 4. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Here in 1 Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians rather, Paul's saying, look, stick to your resolutions. And by God's power at work in you, you can bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. You can do it. So that verse 12, the name of the Lord may be glorified. I stand before you at the end of 2017 and I want to say to you this. I pray in 2018 that God is glorified. I pray that God is glorified in my life. I pray that God is glorified in the life of this church and in the churches, other churches that are represented here tonight. I pray that those listening to this by podcast know what it is to bring glory to Jesus, even if they're housebound. I pray that they know this. This is the thing that Paul wants us to experience. You stick to your resolutions, and by God's power at work within you, you can bring to fruition every desire so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified. See, God gives the power. Do you see that? Look at that, it's magic. God gives the power. God's doing it. But God gets the glory through Jesus. That's something to just hold on to. To just check your spirit with. Who's getting the glory from your resolutions? Is it so that you can look wonderful on the beach? Well, praise God, it is nice to look wonderful on the beach. When I hit Tenby in August, I, oh, I want God to be glorified by me being the best version of myself that I can be in his service. Do you get it? I'm just using the diet there as an illustration. But think about it in other areas of your life. How is God going to be glorified through your resolutions? Let God work through you. See, this right here is the difference, if you like, between morality and Christianity. I, by the way, I love this slide. If Chris, this is uh, William Blake. If Christianity was morality, Socrates would be the saviour. Now think about that. See, there is a difference between morality and Christianity. People sometimes say to me, well, he's such a nice person. He's a good man. Oh, he's always helping people. He's always kind. And, well, God bless him. But there is a big difference between that and being a Christian. There's a fundamental difference. You can be morally good, but that's the point. You can be. It's all you. It's about your inclination, your power, your determination. What happens when you don't feel particularly inclined to behave morally? Well, we all know what happens. You don't. You're powerless. You're tired. You're weak. Monday morning comes and determination can be gone. 
But as Christians, it's not about what we can do. As Christians, it's about seeing Jesus glorified. That's what we want to do. And we know that we can't do that by ourselves. Well, I can't. God bless you if you can. I can't. So we seek the power of God to fulfill our good resolutions. And what we're coming to understand, I hope, through this passage is that as we seek his power, as we allow God himself to work in us and through us, he gets the glory. Oh, and by the way, did you notice a little bit at the end? I love the little bit that Paul adds on the end because it just blows my mind. Here's something to blow your mind at the end of 2017, Margaret, all right? Ready for this? That he may be glorified in you and you in him. Whoa. Just think about that for a minute. When you seek power from him, he gets glorified and you get glorified in him. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty awesome. So let's rein it all in a bit. I'm getting a bit excited here. What are we seeing? At the end of 2017, when we make a godly resolution, when you are there singing old Dang Zine tonight or whatever it's called, all right? And you seek God's power to attain it. And you, you know that you're going to bring glory to him through it. What you're in essence doing is you're in essence undertaking a work of faith. And Paul understands that. He understands that in verse 11. Look, we constantly pray for you. Our God may, be, may make you worthy of his calling. By his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire, you know, your resolutions your every deed, prompted by faith. That's so important. If we're going to be worthy of God's calling, seeing his power at work in us, to bring glory to him, then what you and I are going to need to do is step out in faith a bit. 2018 is not about playing it safe anymore. Certainly not for us as a church. Your pastors have a burden that in 2018 we would step out in faith. I remind you as church members, if you're a church member here tonight, pray for the deacons who are going away for their away day in January because there is much for us to pray and think through together. God is challenging us to step out in faith, to not be so cozy, but to go for it, to, to attempt, as Carrie said, great things for God so that we can expect great things from God. That's what's so important for us in 2018. If we're going to be worthy of his calling, seeing his power at work in us, bringing glory to him, we're going to need to step out in faith. So suppose, for instance, as I finish, suppose in 2018 you've determined that you're going to read your Bible every day for, let's say, 15 minutes. How are you going to do that? Because I'm sure you've resolved to do something like that in the past. Well, you're going to need faith to do that, friend. That's what you're going to need. Because when you get up one morning and think about the 101 other things that you've got on that day, you'll find a reason not to read your Bible. But faith says, from Psalm 1, that a man who meditates on the Word of God is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf doesn't wither. All he does prospers. You see, faith 
defeats the temptation to abandon Bible reading. Or suppose in 2018 you resolve to tithe to God's work here at Moriah. Tithing is a biblical principle. You give 10% of your gross income to the ministry of the church. If you're going to do that, you know, I've been tithing now for best part of 25, 30 years. I'm telling you, you need faith to do that because there have been times when I honestly before you now have to say, it's been tough. You have to arm yourself with the promises of God. 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Or Acts 20, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When the temptation comes that you would have more peace and safety and more joy and blessedness if you didn't give so much money away, faith believes the promises of God. And giving becomes a work of faith, not of religiosity, but a work of faith. Or suppose that you want to witness more in 2018. Many of us, I know, would love to do that. But inside you're thinking, oh gosh, the problem is I wouldn't know what to say if people asked me such and such. Well, faith believes the promise of Jesus in Mark 13. Don't worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever's given you at the time. It's not you speaking. It's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're scared someone's going to think you've become some kind of religious fanatic. Well, faith believes the words of Jesus in Matthew 5. Blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you or falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. This is a verse we don't here preached much in 20, uh, 21st century Britain. Well, bless you if people hurl insults at you or think you're a bit fruity or whatever just because you're talking about Jesus. Rejoice, Jesus says. Be glad. Great's your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What if 2018 was a year where we exercised faith like that? One by one, faith meets obstacles and defeats them, trusting in the promises of God. And our witnessing and everything else can become a work of faith. Friends, when Paul prays in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11 that God would by his power bring to fruition our resolutions, He's really praying that God would strengthen our faith in his promises. God has made resolutions. Read them. Wonderful promises for you and for me. They're in the Bible. And he keeps them. And if you and I are to do anything, I think, in this coming year, my prayer is that we will trust God more we rely on his power more as we exercise faith and all so that he is glorified in us and indeed through us. May God be honoured. Amen.